Welcome to Earthwise, the official podcast of the Maine Primitive Skills School. In this show, we will pass along information and story designed to increase your nature literacy and improve your fieldcraft. From survival to foraging, tracking to bow making, we will present skills that are relevant to you through the seasons, consistent with approaches found the world over from when our ancestors lived closer to the laws of nature. Hi, I'm Mike Douglas from the Maine Primitive Skills School, and I'm back in England exploring the Sussex countryside. Yesterday I ran across an individual by the name of Tristan Gooley. For those of you who don't know, Tristan is the author of many great books on navigation. To name a few of them, I have Wild Sign and Star Paths, How to Read Water, The Walker's Guide to Outdoor Clues and Signs, How to Connect with Nature, and The Natural Explorer. Tristan and I had a great conversation on how natural navigation is not only beneficial to the navigator, but to anybody who wants to be more engaged in the outdoors. I'm excited to be with you, Tristan, because part of our repertoire of skills involves developing a sense of place. And I think navigation without the aid of a map and compass or a GPS is one of the most effective means of bringing modern people out into their own backyards to develop a dynamic relationship. Well, I don't know if, how you feel about that, but I thought I'd start with that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly how I feel. I think uh, two of the things you said there really resonate. The, um, the sense, of, sense of place, um, we can think of natural navigation as, as having sort of two main areas. One is finding direction, and I think that's how people find their way into yes. the subject to start with, is, is you know, the, the hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of clues mm. for finding north, south, east, west that, that most people are, are unaware of. But the sense of place is that's that map making. So I take the view in my work that absolutely everything outdoors, and I mean literally everything, is part is either a clue or a sign and is part of the richer map. Mm. And, the, and what you were saying about um, uh, people connecting, getting, getting back to this sort of thing, I totally agree. And, and again, uh, I think if you say to people, we really should reconnect or we ought to or you ought to any words like should or ought i think people sort of understandably there's a bit of resistance whereas if you give them something you know a, a tool some people might see it as a trick i don't see it as a trick it's, it's just a bit of understanding you just say to them well if you if you see this plant it, it means you're getting to the edge of a, a town or a village no. they then are not feeling they're being told they ought to do something they're just being given something they can go and have a go at and when it works that that's the connection after Tristan and I found our common ground, I wanted to have a little fun. I knew he was talented after reading one of his books, and I wanted to put his skills and techniques to use. So to surprise him, I used the Thanksgiving Address as a format for plugging in our senses and reading the landscape. Thank uh, you. I wanted to, to play a game that I play every morning when I wake up, and it's based on the Iroquois Confederacy's Thanksgiving Address. And I tell people in our awareness classes, this is one of the most powerful awareness tools you can uh, bring into your own daily routine. And it starts off with things of humanity and radiates outward and away. And I say to people, find something to be appreciative of that you notice in your daily life. Right? So if I were to use that in a broad sense of awareness, I would be looking at these rock walls and noticing the, the flint composition and 
the questions would then start to plug me into this landscape. Where would they gather this rock? How long did it take to build these walls? What is the mortar holding them together? Um, is the ivy more pronounced on one side or the other due to the sun's arc and angle? And, right? and then I'd move from there to earth, to waters, to plants. And each of those topics, I would like to play this game where I would give you the, the, the topic, humanity, and apply it to navigation with maybe just using this example, this landscape sure, here. Sure. So with regards to the human impact on this landscape, how could we apply that to navigation? Okay, um, I didn't know this was coming, so we're going to have some fun here. Um, uh, well, every building we can think of in the same way we might think about animals building their homes. It's, it's, a, it's a very re resource expensive thing to do. Yes. You, you're, you're pouring a lot of energy and time and uh, in the human case money. So buildings don't pop up randomly. So every single building, every building material used, as you mentioned the flint there, is going to tell us something about what's going on around us. So mm. if we take two very different examples, churches uh, give us direction. They tend to be aligned west to east with the altar at the eastern end. Nice. With the, uh, the graveyard will tend to be bigger on the southern side because there was a, a preference for being buried on the su south side and the oldest graves will be there. The highest part of the church, the tower or the steeple, will normally be at the western end. I could go on about that. There are probably right. about another couple of dozen clues right. on that. But, but if we then think of a, a much more sort of broader map-making type clue, we look at this wall you mentioned here, the flint. The flint is, is a sign that we're in chalk and flint country. Yeah. So that, that's now telling us about the rocks, which in turn tells us so much more. It's going to tell nice. us about the plants we're going to find around us because of the, the alkaline um, uh, uh, soil. But also we can start to think quite laterally because when you're in chalk country or limestone country, being porous, the water is going to sink straight through the land, which then tells us that we're not going to find a huge number, huge number of bodies of, of free water because okay. of porous. When you're in granite country, you know you, you, you can find water pretty much right. anywhere. But in chalk, if you if you spot a pond or a lake, you want to stock up because nice. you, you could walk another day before seeing that again. So, I mean, we we've seen a seen a river on our walks here. Having seen having seen the flint there, we'd be thinking, well, if we if we're setting off up into the hills make use of that. Right. It'll also tell us how that river will behave because the, the porous rocks lead to uh, a low what's known as flashiness. I don't know if you come across yes. this. Yeah, the, the way and in certain parts of the world if a river's very flashy you've got you've got a serious survival situation there. If you see for example we see the clouds change colour we can we can tie that to the rocks we're seeing to work out how that river's going to behave in a few hours. One great navigation thing is, is following rivers, but right. you don't follow a flashy river when there are big dark clouds around. That's right. <laughs> you, may, you may be flowing with the river. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, that covers uh, people, and you actually naturally drifted into the geology or the, what the earth can tell you. In my area, we have Rushmutnes, or rock sheep, mm. because the glaciers ran over the mountains and plucked material off of one side, which faces south-south east and that gradual side that people like to hike up to see the overview you know is you're coming in from the north northwest uh, and to hear uh, of native navigational cues naturally done by the way thank you <laughs> from humanity to the earth and to the waters is really helpful which would bring us to the next one which would be the plants the herbaceous plants in particular um, and I'm looking at these daffodils and I know plants track the sun but what if there's walls in the way? What are, what are some other uh, vascular plant 
cues that we could use to not just use one plant that's very obvious, the daffodils, which are beautiful yeah. and in bloom right now, but the suite of plants in, in concert with each other to help. It's not just one or two indicators, but five or seven that we could be confident about. Yes, and, and this will all stem from the, uh, the premise, everything is a clue or a sign, which, which is closely related to one of my, my key philosophies that I follow in my work, which is nothing is random. Right. So we might find that uh, in, a, in a village sort of environment like this, it's not random because human beings have got involved and, and you know, um, so the, the daffodils have probably been given a bit of a helping hand, that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean they're not telling us something. So as you've spotted them, we have a slight bias as we look at them there. There's the, um, the flower heads are facing slightly more that way, which is just, it's a weak, it's not a strong, but it's a weak clue. We're getting more light from that side. So yes. This is the beginning of, of what we can think of as a jigsaw. Mm. If we if we see the sun, it may it may break out for us at some point. That is a direct, you know, sort of uh, uh, to borrow an American expression, that's a slam dunk. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the second we're looking at, uh, at ground things, um, it's more of a jigsaw. So you'd never exactly as you say, you'd never take one thing and say, oh well, that's south. We'll walk for, for ten miles in this direction. Then. Right. So every single every single um, flower here um, will give us some sense of sense of direction in terms of that relationship with light because it's what they're effectively doing is advertising they're advertising to the insects normally and uh, the insects will are picking them up visually so that that's why that works then if we look at absolutely everything around us is going to be giving us some clue so mm. just this holly here is the next thing i'm spotting if we look at the the leaves at the bottom there we can see if we counted them we probably have a dozen spines on the leaves there yeah because when we look up there we're down to one oh right one tip or something so that's telling us um, something that we may have known already, but that's that's not really the the issue here. We're just sort of noticing things to start with. That there's there's a lot more activity here. So this holly is being, in this case, probably cut back by humans. But right. in a wilder environment, we can tell grazing and animal activity yes. from that because the these spines are defensive. They're they're very sort of resource sort of hungry. So. Plants don't don't grow a load of spines for, for no reason. Right. So two two very sort of different I examples there. We've got um, some some ivy on the tree there, which um, that that can be used to navigate. You get um you get the the single lobe leaves growing right. more abundantly on the southern side, and the multi lobe leaves growing more abundantly on the north side. We've got um, down there. I can see um, budlia, uh, sometimes known as the butterfly bush. Here, so that's going to, from its from its sort of nickname, you know, it's it's a good place to be looking for butterflies if that's the sort of thing you're looking for. Nice. Uh, but it's a it's a sign of disturbance and and nutrient rich soils, so it's a sign of human activity, which is what we would expect here, of course. Looking further down, I can see a willow down there telling us that if we hadn't spotted it, we're probably going to find some water. Right. So we're just starting to bring those pieces together. So again, we're expanding from humanity to the earth through the waters, now the plants, and then the other animate beings. Uh, particularly, I've been seeing in this area, lots of bird activity. Any indicators that we can glean from bird behavior? Yeah, the, um, we've got, uh, as, as we listen now, we've got um, uh, no, no individual species that are making me think, yes, this is, this is a dramatic clue. But sometimes, sometimes with animals, uh, that's a clue in itself. And so just the general background, background chatter, um, a, a mixture of song and, and contact calls, uh, the birds are effectively saying to us that there's nothing in the environment at the moment that they're particularly worried about. Right. 
partly probably because we've been on this spot for a while. Mm. If we moved off, we might find that those changed to, to alarm calls and things like that. Nice. Um, I just saw a, a gull go, go past over there. And that, that's leading us into a different, different way of using um, the animals, which is similar to the way plants can make a map for us. Every animal is, is it's not appearing randomly. Right. So um, gulls move quite far inland these days. Historically, they were a better, better sort of sign of, of being close to the coast. Right. Um, but you get, um, I saw, saw a magpie as I was coming in here. Magpie is a wonderful um, sort of suburban sort of indicator. You find them near roads, similar with jackdaws. Um, so every bird, every animal has its habitat. Yes. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the way I try and look at it, is that when we see anything, a plant or an animal, we sort of give it the curiosity. We say, what is your patch? Yes. And then if we give it that curiosity, what it gives us back is basically saying, this is where you are. Right. Sometimes it can be really, really specific. So, you know, there's certain butterflies that will only be found in a few square miles on, oh. on the, you know, the surface of the earth. Right. Other times it's much, much sort of broader, in which case it becomes a very small piece of the jigsaw. But, nice. But, uh, yeah, every, everything is trying to tell us something, even if it's only, only a little bit of weak information. And that, that resonates with me. As a tracker, I, I tell people the, the landscape plays each of its members like a finely tuned instrument in an orchestra. And calories are the currency of nature, and no deer is going to waste a calorie and be around for long. And we use the deer to find where to build shelters. If they're bedding in the high dry, then it's going to work for us. Sad for the deer because they're going to lose their night's sleep over it, but we get to see another day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the, the things of the sky that, uh, and again, this is along the, the Thanksgiving address that's been shared with us to be shared by the Iroquois Confederacy, also includes weather. And I've noticed we've had a spell of, you know, in, in New England, we would say we've had a spell of weather, <laughs> meaning the rain has come through yeah. uh, and the wind is, it's, it's undulating, but certainly present. Yes. And I, I'd like to just... Share through your eyes what we could glean from the movement and the the shape and form of the clouds and the wind as, a, as we experience it. Okay, um, having a look around us now, we can see uh, quite a mixed sort of skyscape. It's not one of those days where we just see one cloud type, the, the fluffy cumulus on a blue sky, the fair weather cloud, sign of settled weather, and even people who take very little interest in these things instinctively feel, okay, you know, it's okay to venture out. Yeah. And we're not at the dramatic end of the scale where we've got the sort of cumulonimbi, the, the sort of, you know, monstrous storm clouds where, again, most people would instantly sort of go, troubles ahead. We're, we're in that in-between thing here where we've got quite a few different cloud types. And so the first thing that says to me is, is a generally unsettled skyscape. Yeah. Um, the, the more different cloud types you've got, uh, the less likely of, of, of settled weather. Um, uh, the next thing I've, I'm, I'm sort of looking at, I'm, I'm always, because of the navigation interest, you know, trying to effectively track cloud direction. So the, the way I'm, I'm sensing things is, is I treat the wind I feel and what the clouds do as two separate mm. clues. Because um, a, an easy mistake to make early on is that you feel the wind, let's say you feel the wind coming from the west, and then you move down into a valley, into a bit of woodland. You look up and you think, well, I felt the wind coming from the west, therefore the clouds will be coming from the west. You can get, you can get 90 degree differences, but 30, 40 degrees is very, very common. Right. But if you, if you tune into what the wind you feel is doing and what the clouds you, you're watching are doing and treat them as two separate things, then you can't really come unstuck because there are times when you can see the clouds but can't feel the wind. 
There are lots of times when you can feel the wind and the clouds aren't helping you. So when you've got that low stratus blanket, but you've yeah. just got a steady breeze, you can actually navigate very effectively, but the clouds might not help you at all in that situation. Right. So, so what I'm seeing now is, um, you know, a, a movement of weather coming in from the, from the northwest. But what, what I'd probably be doing is, is, is looking for major shifts in, in that wind direction because navigation and and weather are, are related in so many different ways and if we see a, if we see a change in that direction uh it's it's absolutely critical for navigating but it's also telling us that there's there's bigger change coming nice so if the wind direction doesn't change by more than about sort of 10 15 degrees you're, you're probably going to get more of what you've been having oh good to know yeah if it suddenly backs if it suddenly moves um counterclockwise by by let's say sort of 50 60 degrees that's a sign that, you know, possible front, something a bit more, more dramatic is about to happen. It's not necessarily going to get worse. Quite often, you know, more often than not, it is. But um, it's very, very rare to get significant weather change without picking up a, a preceding wind direction change. So as a navigator, sometimes you're, n you're not thinking, I'm trying to forecast the weather. You're thinking, I'm just trying to navigate accurately here. But as a result of that, you go, here we go, something's coming. If we're to reclaim our nature literacy and develop self-reliance, we not only have to look to nature for resources, ideas, and inspiration, we should also look at the human landscape. Tristan Gooley has spent a lifetime not only honing his skills, but doing so around the globe. There's a lot we could learn from him. Um, I've, I've written six books. Uh, I've written The Natural Navigator, The Lost Art of Reading Nature's Signs, How to Read Water, uh, those are the three, depending on your interest, that I'd, I'd uh, really, really recommend having a bit of fun with. Um, but even, even more important than the books is, is the curiosity. And um, if you just, if you go out and just ask, ask yourself the question, which way am I looking? And then let nature answer that question for you. You will have begun your journey into this, this wonderful world of, of natural navigation. Um, I've also got a website, naturalnavigator.com, which is just full of these sorts of clues, so you can have a bit of fun with that as oh, well. Excellent. Well, Tristan, thank you for your, uh, allowing us to talk to you today. Cheers, and Mike, for, uh, for visiting. Uh, yeah, oh, great to great. meet you. Well, hopefully we can get you across the seas to, uh, to explore our woods as well. I'd, I'd love that. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed this opportunity to spend time with Tristan Gooley. Please check out his webpage and his books. You can find the podcast version of this interview at the Earthwise Podcast. Also, if you're looking for nature awareness, we have courses at www.primitiveskills.com. Now go out there, change the world, have fun doing it, and don't get caught. This is Mike Douglas from the Maine Primitive Skills School. See you on the trail. Thank you for joining us around our electronic campfire. It is our intent that the time you invest here increases your bounty and encourages more mutually beneficial relationships between you, your landscape, and the rest of your community. Now go out there, enrich the world, have fun doing it, and don't get caught.